Hi everybody, Tim Anderson here, the Appraiser's Advocate, and this one is about USPAP and non-traditional appraisals. When it comes to non-traditional appraisals, we need to know what to look for. We need to know what to look out for. We need to know what's different, and we need to know what's the same. An appraisal is an appraisal is an appraisal, but sometimes non-GSE appraisals and reports seem alien to appraisers since most of their work is for a GSE. Since it is always wise to have more than one iron in the fire, then this podcast is about expanding and diversifying your appraisal business. This is especially true in a time when the volume of refinance and purchase appraisals is decreasing from their past torrid levels. That other iron in the fire we cover today is appraising for non-GSEs. In other words, a pre-listing appraisal or a divorce appraisal. It may even include appraising for a taking in eminent domain or an appraisal to settle an estate. These are all valid reasons to order an appraisal. These appraisals can be a thriving book of business for you, too. Nevertheless, there are some differences of which an appraiser needs to be aware. This is so the appraiser will not make any careless mistakes. This podcast is here to help you avoid needless omissions. That's why we're here in this podcast. What is in this podcast will help you to avoid pitfalls. When you avoid pitfalls, you cover your assets. Who wants to show up in court with a bare asset, right? So, let's get started. Many of your non-GSE clients will be attorneys or CPAs. They may provide you with special instructions in an assignment. This is the time to be careful. Usually, these instructions are to bring the appraisal in low. This avoids estate, probate, and or inheritance taxes. Again, this is a common request. It's quite ethical for the attorney or CPA to make this request. Therefore, they will. It is their job to advocate for their clients. But that's not our job, however. Our job is to provide the client with an independent, objective, and impartial appraisal of the estate's properties. Such an opinion of the market value of their client's real property is what they need, although, frankly, they may not want it. We are appraisers. We are not advocates. So, if an attorney or CPA wants a low appraisal, simply say you'll provide them with a fair opinion of market value. And a fair opinion of market value is one that's independent, impartial, and objective. If this is not what the client wants, if they insist on a low appraisal, simply say no and walk away. Communicate clearly to your client. You'll provide a fair, unbiased appraisal. If your honesty and professionalism do not please the client, then again, walk away. The size of the appraisal fee will never properly compensate you to compromise your ethics and put your professional reputation at risk. With non-GSE appraisal assignments, it's common to go to court. This may be the most cursory examination of your appraisal by the court, or it may be questions from your attorney or the other side's attorney. It could also be a grueling, brutal cross-examination. 
You could be on the witness stand for hours, if not days. But you know this up front. Therefore, because you anticipate it, you charge for it. The appraisal assignment itself will carry one fee. But any depositions, expenses, travel time, court testimony, consultants' fees, etc., are over and above that fee. Are your professional fees really high enough? If your hourly fee to serve as an expert witness does not make your client's eyes water when they hear it, then no, it's not high enough. And, as a professional, you have the right and the responsibility to charge the client a retainer. Consider at least five hours at your stated hourly rate as a fair retainer. You'll have well more than five hours into the job when you're finished. And this will compensate you for your professional time and troubles. In non-GSE appraisal assignments, your scope of work will be significantly different than in a typical GSE appraisal assignment. Typically, that scope of work will be much larger and much more encompassing. If you are doing estate work, it's also likely your report will eventually become part of the public record. As such, it will be subject to the scrutiny of other attorneys, some of whom may oppose you in the future. Therefore, your work file must essentially be bulletproof. For example, a mere copy of the MLS printout is insufficient verification of a comparable sale. Such verification from the broker is fine. However, a second verification from the buyer or the seller is the gold standard. Verification at this depth can be time-consuming. You may want to hire another appraiser or a certified legal assistant to carry out these tasks. You may want to hire an outside consultant to review your work file and your report. You'll want to determine your level of compliance with USPAP. That's why you would hire the outside consultant. This means a review of your compliance with USPAP Standards 1 and 2, Yellow Book, or any special instructions from the court. While USPAP does not require you to inspect the property as part of your scope of work, what are your client's expectations on this? Again, this is for non-GSE appraisals. Therefore, an inspection is something you do not have to do. You merely have to disclose if you don't. But if your client wants you to inspect the property personally, if you agree to an inspection, but you send someone else or do not inspect the property at all, you have misled the client. A serious ethical breach. You could even be subject to sanction by the court for that. And don't assume such an ethical faux pas will pass without notice. You'll likely end up with a complaint to the state appraisal board. Therefore, if you agree to inspect the property, inspect the property. In court, you'll swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Therefore, your professional honor and reputation are on the line if you violate that oath. So, if you agree to inspect the property, inspect it. Avoid cutting corners, inspect the property, and do everything else you agreed to do, too. Some appraisers ask what they should charge for such an appraisal assignment. This is between you, your client, and the IRS. But remember, the greater scope of work and greater expenses in such an assignment. Your fee should be commensurate with the complexity of the job. Is this job going to last two months? Are you accustomed to paying yourself $7,500 per month? 
then your fee must be well more than that. This extra is to cover the additional operating and hiring expenses of such an assignment. You may need to bring in outside consultants or legal counsel for help. Most likely, you'll want to execute this assignment using other than a traditional reporting form. Reporting forms scream boilerplate. You want to impress your client with the quality and depth of your analytics and research. Cutting and pasting from past reports does not accomplish this. So, how to report the results of your appraisal? In a narrative report with a restricted format is acceptable so long as the client is on board with it. A court would much rather read a 10-page appraisal than a 50-page appraisal. But this is why your work file must be essentially bulletproof. You must have absolute command of your data, facts, and analyses. You must have market support, ideally from two directions, for everything. This means at least two separate reliable sources of information chronicled in your work file for all of your facts, opinions, and conclusions. Frankly, you may not need verification at this level, but you want to come to court or a settlement conference with too much ammunition rather than too little, right? Chances are the case will settle and you won't testify. You may not even have to go to court. But that's a probability, not a concrete given. To hope for the best, but prepare for the worst, is excellent advice. So, if you are going to transition into non-GSE work, there are numerous ways to take that step, and to take it quickly and properly. You'll need to take some classes. You'll need to sit through a few trials. These should be trials in which the appraiser testifies as an expert witness. Indeed, watch both expert appraisers to learn what works and what does not. You'll need to find and read trial transcripts of appraisers under cross-examination. This helps to determine if this is the professional road you want to follow. You'll need to associate yourself with an appraiser who has experience with this quality of work. You'll need a mentor to guide you through this minefield. The witness stand, under oath, is not the place to get on the job training. Taking on non-GSE work as part of your practice can be hard, time-consuming, but also exciting and really well-paid. It will take a commitment on your part. You'll have to commit time, money, and effort into this transition. But this may be just the appraisal niche for you, especially at a time when the refinance opportunities and the first mortgage opportunities are drying up. This is Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate. I appreciate you taking your time today to stop and listen to this podcast. It's been a pleasure to be with you. If you have any questions about this podcast, any other podcast, or if I can help you in any way, please contact me, Tim, at theappraisersadvocate.com. It will be a pleasure to know you. It will be an honor to work with you. Please let me extend my best to you and your family. And as I said earlier, are your professional fees high enough? And now we're clear.